0: In our second episode of Humanity Tsukuru, we talked with local comedian Royal Wood about what it's like to work in the comic industry, what drives success, and how he found ways to overcome the struggle of working with the unseen issues in a humor-driven industry.
1: During that time where I stopped drinking, I saw a lot of people pass. Uh, A lot of people. And it was just the fact that I need to be here for him. I want to see him grow up. I want to see him be the most best person he possibly can. Like I tell him, basically every day like he's way better than i was but at his age like doing sports and whatnot so i want to be there for him
0: uh hello everyone and welcome to Humanity's scudu this is our second episode and uh with us today is guest royal wood the third hey
1: what's up john royal. how you doing dude?
0: good man what's going on oh man i feel like i haven't
1: seen you in like ages dude like it's it's been a while (laughs) everything going from like work and whatnot but i'm glad to see that you're doing well man
0: absolutely and yourself as well i think uh, what's always interesting and this is why i wanted to start getting these podcasts and such put together is because uh life is basically a cycle of hey let's hang out soon let's talk soon let's get together soon uh every year until we die and it never happens yeah (laughs) this is the way in which we can do it then this is how we're gonna do it
1: uh, it was funny that you say that because I had a show. I had a show on Instagram, I was just calling it Royal and Friends, and basically this was right during the pandemic and all I was doing it was this I was I wasn't just talking to comedians, I was talking to like people who did like different types of stuff or whatnot. Um, and honestly I was just checking up on my friends and seeing how they were and whatnot. But I totally get that. You know, like we all have busy lives and our lives aren't synced up like mm-hmm we would love them to be but i mean being able to do something like this is super dope
0: and i remember actually that's uh something that i've never really forgotten is that we did do sort of like an instagram live video when we chatted for about 30 minutes or so and it was really nice to just sort of sit there publicly catch up people could you know pop in watch us you know just chatting with one another and i thought it was a really great idea and um no lie you know that also partly informed the structure of uh what i liked about putting the show together Oh, well,
1: um, honestly, that's that makes me feel good to be able to be like, OK, <laughs> I help somebody else out on working on doing something new, um, innovative, like, you know, with your podcast, whatnot. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So thank that. you
0: for helping influence this. And uh, so uh, to to introduce you a little bit, you are a local comedian here at Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, uh, I've, uh, I've known you for, for a while now. I mean, we have like a very strong sort of like overlapping circle of friends. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've known you, I mean, you like video games. Uh, that's a common oh, bond we have. You're a funny guy, which is a common bond. I really enjoy oh, yeah, sharing man. with people.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Hanging out with people that make me laugh. Uh, but it's, it's really great to see that right now it seems like you're doing well. And, um, you are uh, a comedian performing, uh, every Tuesday night at the Juno brewery.
1: Yes. Okay. Uh Juno brewery uh every Tuesday sign up starts around seven show starts around eight 805 is mm-hmm. Albuquerque so it Perfect. may be a little bit later but um yeah normally you get five minutes uh you get a light at four uh my my only rules are respect the venue respect the audience respect the hosts other than that then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna limit you to what you say but at the same time, you honestly just be aware of your surroundings, you know, be aware of like who's in the audience or who may just be walking around outside and whatnot. So
0: like, I think that's kind of a good rule in general to have with, I think most people in most venues, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a shop like gamers anonymous or uh, exactly. you know, a, a venue like this, you know, uh, for, for comedians, for, for uh, general music shows is really respecting everybody involved. And even those not mm-hmm. involved. So.
1: Oh yeah. Cause I mean, Uh, you know, my, uh, my good friend, Kevin Baca, uh, he, we actually used to do an open mic over at Nexus off of the freeway, Pan American. And so now he was telling this joke and now a lady and her kid was coming out and they didn't, mind you, they didn't hear the full joke, but he said something part of the joke that she did not like at all. I see. And so mind you, that's my dude. That's, that's my heart and soul. It's so just the fact of being aware of your surroundings, you know. Right. Uh, and I've learned throughout the years to be more professional. I mm-hmm. know I'm saying this. Uh, I used to just be in the Verizon store doing Street Fighter moves. You know, <laughs> I, I, was with, I was with Kevin. I'm sitting there doing shurikens and chop chop yep. and and there was somebody in the back watching a six foot four black dude doing spinning kicks and <laughs> Verizon Wireless, but it's more or less just like being aware of like okay um uh, especially now I, I know you in a professional light and whatnot <laughs> uh professional businessman people are going to notice you automatically you don't even have to say who you are you walk into a room people know who you are so mm-hmm. that the whole professionalism is a part of it so
0: yes um, you become a role model whether you actually want the role or not is when people start to recognize you and see you in any sort of position of authority you've taken on that role and you can do nothing about it other than do the right thing
1: and it 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 sucks because it doesn't suck i take that back it doesn't suck sure it's more or less just like okay well i had to put my foot down and i don't want to be the one that puts a foot down but like you're saying being a role uh, a, a position of authority, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that's weird for me to say. because I, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not like hating the man, but as much as it's like, I don't ever want to be the man, you know? Sure.
0: So, I think as we but, get older, it's something we sort of naturally, hopefully gravitate towards, you know, it's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of like, you know, well, my actions do affect others. And so I want to make sure they're affecting yeah. them positively.
1: Right. I mean, even, even with my kid, you know, like he's 10 now and, now i see myself being like okay i know how i was with 10 how do i make sure (laughs) absolutely or know what i did to where like i could be a little bit smarter than what i was before so it's it's like you say it's maturing it's growing up being more adultish and i know that's a term that everybody hates to use but it is (laughs) what it is right
0: well, we still want to have fun. We still want to goof around and enjoy our our friends, our people, our sphere. Uh, but it's sort of like, what is the balance of doing that responsibly? And, um, you know, I think we still always sort of like keep figuring out what that looks like and tighten it every single time, you know, mm-hmm. every now and then I'll be hanging out with folks and I'll still make some sort of, you know, fun, inappropriate joke that's fine for oh, home, maybe not so much for public. And I got to sort of step back and go, all right, you know. let's,
1: let's. Oh, yeah. You like always got <laughs> to back. There's been times where I've just like, I forgot where I was, (laughs) right? I can't can't do that here. Exactly. Like like if I'm at a, I don't want to say like a business meeting as a matter of fact, one situation I had put a contact in and it made me, it kept on making me blink to where it looked like I was crazy, but (laughs) it was me and my friend, you know, Nick star, uh, Me, my, Nick Star, and somebody else. We walked into this business. We were trying to get an open mic started, but at my contacts, and I kept on blinking all crazy, and so it was to the point where Nick was like, "Hey, next time, either wear don't wear your contacts, or just don't come." Oh, wow, <laughs> it, 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 it like that. So <laughs> it, it has an effect, you know. So sure. basically, have like having that that I don't say image, but that just whole. Or essence of just like okay, mm-hmm. I I am I am here for business. You know who I am, but yep. this is also another aspect. So
0: people see us, and that's all there is to it.
1: I know people see the jokes, people see the sack man. They want <laughs> to see the blue bomber and everything. That's so it's good. like <laughs> they want that, but at the same time, they have to. They also have to know that you are a businessman. You're a person. You are a very public figure. So they mm-hmm. still you still had to have that role, if you will.
0: You do, it's, it's sort of assigned to you by the public. It's something you don't really choose for yourself. Yeah. So what I wanted to actually get into a little bit, uh, thinking about uh, your career in comedy, cause I've seen you you know, work in a couple spots around town. I visited you at Target before, but mm. comedy seems like it's what sort of drawn you the most consistently to like, that's what you love to do. That's what you want to embrace. Um, when did you start uh, looking into the comedy scene?
1: uh well so my my actual intro if you will into comedy was i was doing karaoke now i don't i know you know this but for the people who may not know this i do karaoke as well i'm a kj for both on mondays and thursdays but um i was at a this um this bar i want to say on the west side and this was like years years back and i'm sitting there doing jokes ad-libbing on songs and whatnot And so there's an actual comedy show promoter, producer. He's like, oh, I want you to do that for my show. And I was like, well, I don't want to do karaoke, but I don't want to tell jokes. And so my first time on stage was an actual show. It wasn't like an open mic or anything. And it was one of those like, okay, this is something I want to do, but I want to do it better. And so that's when I started going to open mics, started like just actually learning the craft of stand-up comedy other than just doing it because I mean, yeah, you could just do it, but like, if you don't really know how to do it or why you're doing it, then it's just like, it's just, if it, I'm sorry. You're just wasting time.
0: <laughs> right. Will. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a very different craft than simply being funny around your friends because you mm-hmm. are uh, in a very different role in front of an audience that might not know your style of humor.
1: Exactly. So- and this is what it,
0: yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I want to say, what, what what is it that like you learned, like what was like sort of like the scariest thing uh, when you started doing this to like people that you're unfamiliar with?
1: Oh, uh, the most scariest thing is people finding me not funny. <laughs> sure. That's the scariest thing in the world. Now, mind you, it's like take it's like having a project. It's like your heart and soul in that project and going to somebody and saying, hey, this is my project. And somebody just be like, nope. That project was not anything, and so that's the suckiest thing. But it's the fact of being like, okay, what can I do to make this better, mm-hmm. or what what changes do I need to make to be able to do this, or honestly, just scrapping that project altogether. Now, I, I've told this numerous times, I, I like there was like a couple of weeks ago, I bombed bad. Oh, gotcha. It was, it was it was one of the roughest set in the world. I didn't prepare took too many edibles, what have oh. you, but it was, but here's the thing. It was on me that it was on me. And so that's the reason why I felt hurt because I didn't prepare myself well for that set. Sure. But it was more on this perspective. Like, okay, what do, where do I go from here? Like, do, like, do I change what I did? But well, once again, not doing too many edibles, but the process is what do i need to do to get to be better than what i was before mm-hmm. so i think that's one of the i don't say hang up or downfall but that's one of the things that could happen to stand up it's a lot of people could not like your jokes you know um i'd rather i'd rather be booed then nobody even do anything like there's a quiet room
0: so you I'd actually rather, you want any response at all rather than no response,
1: response. It <laughs> because it's like okay if everybody's just sitting and looking at me and i'm sitting there talking and, and nobody's reacting to anything you'll see the sweat now if somebody like even a heckler says something then yeah sure i can be able to bounce off something like that but if nobody's even like saying anything—that's the scariest thing. So. Right. Okay.
0: Okay. So having, all right. So because I'm I'm so curious about just what this is like. I've, I've watched one friend uh, uh, years ago, and he was one of the funniest people I grew up with. And watching him in a, a stand up comic setting, and this might have been 2014, we'll say. Okay. Um, and watching him was uh, fun because we knew his style, and he was performing his style of humor now what you have built up with people that you're familiar with is very different than when you're uh, approaching the general audience and so you say uh that you you need to be better prepared now Mm -hmm. what in terms of preparation because i mean like do you do you write different style of jokes do you do you write down your jokes beforehand and practice them uh like what is it that when when you say you need to be better prepared what do you change in order to like start in a different direction to sort of like uh, alter that that momentum like wh- what is it that you start with if so you, you you bombed a couple weeks ago Mhm what's well, the, yeah what's the redo how do you how do you undo that
1: Well if anything I have to analyze the room the crowd uh the energy if you will Sure um and analyze how I was and then also like going to what your question about being prepared of, I'll sit. I'll sit in my room. I will lock myself in my room, and I write my jokes. And there's certain jokes I have for certain situations. Mm. Um, I have general jokes, but then I have specific jokes for specific situations. You know. So, um, if anything, I do like to cater to the audience that I'm working with, just to the fact that I have a general aspect, a general, uh, excuse me, a broad range of what my jokes are. Mm-hmm. But it's still the fact that I have the general jokes that tend to work with every crowd. Sure, But it's just making sure that they are prepared to where is that I can say them confidently i can say okay. them without messing up a punchline or, or flubbing up on a word or whatnot just reiteration 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 um also timing myself give, but also giving myself like maybe like a couple seconds or up to like 30 seconds if there's like just so happens to be applause break or anything like that mm-hmm. just being able to say my jokes comfortably mm-hmm. and so doing that back like I tell my set of jokes, okay, again, from the top. Okay, again, from the top. And so, and going back to what you're saying from your friend, like knowing his style of st- uh, comedy versus going, him doing stand up, yeah, it's having a group of people that don't know you, know you. That and seems then very it's scary. It's scary, it's scary, it's scary, John. And not just that, having a group of people, having them to get to know you, having to get to know you in a short span of time and then having to get to know you in a short span of time and then making them laugh. Right. And so it's, it's a trifecta of like, you got to be able to just do that right then and there, you know, the,
0: the improv of like, I mean, you, you have your, your set jokes that you've sort of prepped for, but then you really have to personalize it. And like, it's that improv that really, I think keeps people engaged. If I'm not mistaken. Oh no.
1: Like you're absolutely correct. Uh, one of the top comedians in town, Zach Abeda, what a style that I've seen that he does is that he'll, he'll do a little bit of crowd work. You know, he'll get, if anything, the audience, it's called getting the audience on your side. Basically Mm -hmm. it's just like getting the audience attention, getting them more interested in knowing about you. And then he'll go into like his jokes or whatnot, because they're focused on him. They're more focused on, okay, what he has to say. So basically it's just connecting with your audience. And then after connecting with your audience, then being able to go through with your jokes. Sure. So if, whenever you connect with your audience, they'll be more receptive of your jokes than being able. Now, there's some comments that I've seen that are able to just start their jokes or whatnot. But then again, audiences know that's how he rolls. Right. But so
0: f- familiarity as well, too. Like if you're uh, yeah. with a consistent audience, that might be easier to sort of pop into. But with a brand new audience, it's a harder approach.
1: Right. You. Okay. If anything, you just have to build up that confidence in them to where they like, okay, we know that he's up there. We know that he's going to be the one telling jokes or whatnot. Not like, oh, okay, he's a guy, okay? Like, that's how a lot, honestly, that's how a lot of people see some comics if they don't connect with them at Opamax, you know? Those comedians will start trying to tell jokes or whatnot, but if not really connected with the audience, then... The, the audience is just like all right well I don't know this guy like I like I mean he might like a joke might be funny but it's like all right well but I don't know who this guy is I don't know like his back, backstory, backstory right. background so I mean it, it once again it just sends back to connect now the reason why uh, stand-up comedy in its live aspect is a true form of like art or whatnot is because it is a live art form. It's sure. like, it is the experience. It is an event. It's something that unless, yeah, it could be taped, sure, but the energy in the room, right then and there, thats stuff that cannot be replicated. Even the, like little improv here and there, little jokes here and there, those things are memorable. Those are things that people can say that they were there for
0: right well it kind of makes me think of um like i don't watch a lot of sports you know Mm -hmm. televised sports is not exactly my thing but anytime i've gone to a live sports event it is such a different energy or feeling regardless of who is winning or even playing there's something about being around people experiencing the same thing as you live and i feel like that's probably very comparable in uh this sort of like stand-up environment is like you get to be around live people Mm -hmm. all together you're all sort of doing the same thing
1: and then especially since I'm going to bring it up, COVID, because um, that, that's, that's, that's still a thing. It's just part of it, yeah. 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 Mask yeah. up, wash up. Yeah. do all. The stuff. <laughs> be responsible. Um, be responsible. Um, comics didn't have that. We didn't have that whole life experience thing. So I knew a lot of comics. Uh, they were doing Zoom shows. Uh, some comics were still going to states that, we a little bit more lenient on their policies and whatnot, but it was still just a fact of like making that happen, making that situation happen. So um, that live energy feel was like, you can't really do that. I'm sorry through a zoom show. Cause I've done no. zoom before and I felt, I'm not gonna lie a little bit weird just because I'm not, I don't feel i don't get that reaction that i need to be able to be like okay well regardless if it's a good joke or a bad joke i mm-hmm. can figure out how to play off it you know like if i'm sitting there telling jokes and then i have to look over at a little screen right here to be able to <laughs> it, that's that what person said so it, if anything kind of for me it it's stopped the flow that makes I, sense Unlike whenever I'm hosting a show, my thing is about flow, being able to get the point A to point B. Is even the same. So that's in my head, whenever we was trying to do a lot digitally remote and whatnot, it it felt like it was going to be chopped up or whatnot, mm-hmm. especially if people didn't have good Wi-Fi or um, waiting for people to pop in, pop out, you know, stuff like that. So it's all about the live feel. Sure.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, it feels like you you get a rush from this. You get the energy. You get the enjoyment. Now, uh, something that I think a lot of people sort of struggled with, I, I know I did growing up, was dealing with sort of public attention, public speaking, uh, mm. feeling like it's really scary when all eyes are on you. Now, as I got older and I started to understand how to work with people in that, you know, like if I ever had a position of authority in helping people or guiding people, it became much easier for me. Was that something that you struggled with when you were younger or did you always sort of like work in the crowd, even from a young age?
1: Uh, I've always been a public speaker um, ever since I was a kid. Um, I grew up in a church, so um, Baptist. So we're just loud, we're just out there. But even outside of church in like realm of school and whatnot, I was always a chatty one. And I get that from both my mom and my dad. My dad for his humor, but my mom just for her people skills and whatnot, she was always talking to people. Both well, both of them were, but um Yeah, just like I was always speaking in front of a whole bunch of people. So
0: okay, so even in like high school or even middle school, I'm not sure if you ever had to give presentations. Was that ever difficult for you? Uh,
1: Not never a problem. You just Uh, gravitated towards it. If anything, I was normally one who was doing the speaking for everybody. So gotcha. I was the one. So this was a technique that I that I kind of used. I will always raise my hand to answer the questions to where that the teacher would be like, okay let's ask somebody else. So I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I don't have to get any other questions asked. So, but like, there have been times where they're like, okay, well, since you answer all the questions, can you help us? I'm like, well, dang, now I got more work for myself. Right. But, um, other than that, yeah. Like I was definitely always been a public speaker. Definitely. Whenever I got into the military, uh, we had to give like post briefings and stuff like that had to memorize, uh, Numerous, numerous information about our posts our weapons what and the have you uh, even there had been like uh, inspections of where I got best performer just because of the information that I knew and being able to say state uh, to state said information just like that. So and that's basically what staying up is being able to stay state information, but just like that in front of a whole group of people. Maybe a hundred percent of them you don't know, but sure. it's just the fact of like doing that. Okay. So yeah, it's 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 always been a thing that I've always been able to do, and then I also took a public speaking class in college as well, just to be able to reinforce some of the skills that I've already had. I was so, going to say,
0: I wonder if you took the course just to be better than everybody else in the class because you already you were knee deep oh, in it.
1: I, I I'm not saying I was better, <laughs> but I didn't do most of the work, and I still got to be. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, that's squeak by on that one. But you just other, have it in you. Yeah. So, but okay. I mean, other than that, that's something that I've always been able to do. Uh,
0: certainly. So, as far as comedy goes, is this something you've always wanted to do? Or is it something that uh, at one point in your life, you just maybe you watched a bunch of stand up comics, or maybe you watched a bunch of funny movies, or maybe you heard people talking and you just thought, I like making people laugh. I want to make people laugh. Like, what is it? that sort of propelled you sort of to gravitating down that road?
1: Honestly, it was on a whim. It uh, like, I, so uh, my godson and his mom, they moved out of the state. My kid and his mom, they moved out of the state around the time I started doing stand-up. And so honestly, at that point in time, it was like s- something to do. You know, I was, I had a job. Like, you know, I was working over at SideTel for the Starbucks campaign. Um, and then I was also hanging out with these guys. They were rappers and whatnot. And I felt like I could do something creative, but I'm not gonna lie. I didn't have, I didn't have the swagger to be the rapper. I got and plus like talking, even talking right now, I don't, I talk fast and I flip on my words, but I knew for a fact I could tell jokes, you know, I knew for a fact, like I was like at a party. So I wanted to like, whenever I, that first time I did it, I was just like, okay, well, I know I could do this. This is something I can do. And this I feel like this is something I could do well. So that's when I started doing open mics asking more for more advice from a lot of the pros and whatnot. So it was more or less it's like now's the time to be able to do it. Now's the mm-hmm. ch- now is a chance to be able to actually see if i can do it you know because i mean there might be an alternate timeline a parallel universe what have you to where like i went up there and i tanked i like my first time to where i'm like okay this was the thing that i tried you know so but mm. this is a timeline where it worked out so um i think what propelled me even further if you will what propelled me even further is like the first time I bombed heavy. Um, I forgot my jokes. <laughs> um, now, mind you, this wasn't like I was like smoking anything. I forgot my jokes. Um, it was like my fir- one of my first major shows. It was snowy that night and I was driving home. And this car, it slid right by me. But it clipped my mirror. Now, it didn't take off the full mirror but it took off a little piece, like a little chunk of the mirror. And so I took it as a sign is that, said, okay, I still need to do up. I, I just need to be better um, because I could have, I could have been taken out by that car. You know, I couldn't even be here right now. So I'm like, okay, I saw it as a sign to be like, all right, well, time to get better, trying to improve, figure out what's going on. So, mm-hmm. um, the, pro- I feel that that's the propelling part for me. Like after, because before then, I was like, "Oh yeah, time to be the funniest guy in the room." That <laughs> that young—I don't say young bravado, but just more or less like, okay, well, I may not be the funniest guy in the room, but that's—it's an aspiration. But it, the reality is, that's something that could happen. So
0: I like the idea that uh, when you're faced with a nearly mortal situation, your first instinct was to become funnier. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean.
1: Because I could have been dead, you, you know, right. just like sure. somebody, somebody out there was like, no, Royal Wood needs to be funny on stage. We can't, sure. take, we can't take him out the game this early, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's honestly how I felt.
0: And what's even better about that, I think, is that it's not just a, oh, I need to be funnier because it benefits me, but being funny is really a thing that, uh, benefits other people it really is a performance for others to be funny you can be funny to yourself all day long and it's it's enjoyable
1: it's enjoyable but but, just for you though yeah
0: just for you but the, the whole whole shtick is that you wanted to do this because it's fun to be funny for others because it makes them feel good and it makes them loosen up and in a world where you know we can use all the levity we can get it's great to sort of be a source of humor for anybody
1: my one of my one of my—I don't say mantras, but let's say you had a let's say you had a rough day at your job, okay? Your boss yelled at you. You're driving home. You got a flat. You stepped in dog poop. You know. But if you're able to put in one of my one of my specials, you're able to listen to one of my jokes, and you forget about the world for even just that moment, then I've done my job. Then I've done what I'm supposed to do. And Absolutely. that's that's the feeling that I want, that I was able to make somebody, even for just that time, make somebody feel better about life, feel better about a situation, you know. They're able to connect, be like, Oh, okay, you went through that too. You was able to get through that, I can get through that, you know. So just doing that for people, that's that's honestly what I do it for, you know, so that's that's a great feeling. That's awesome. It's it's a it's a fantastic feeling, you know. Just and granted, I may not have the greatest set, but if I was able to make somebody's day better than what it was, then mm-hmm. I did it.
0: And you did it. You made yeah. even one person smile. Yes. That's so if you're in a room where you you've bombed entirely, except for one guy in the back is laughing hysterically, is that good enough for you? I've always said,
1: as long as one person's <laughs> gotten got the joke, as one person's gotten a the joke, then that means. There should be more than one person that'll get that joke. I think just, that's
0: actually fair. Because, I mean, even if you're funny and it bombs somehow, it doesn't take away from anybody else. But if it adds to even one person, still might be worth it.
1: It's still worth it. That's it's great. still just like one of those, okay, well, like, because I used to have a joke like that, basically talking about going to the KKK rallies <laughs> and telling jokes over there. And everybody there is just stone faced, just like, hmm. But there's this one guy in the back that's just like, hey, like, you know, that's was like that one guy is like, OK, he finds that joke funny in a sea basically full of haters, that one guy. And it's like, all right, well, that joke works, even if <laughs> people hate me, they know that's funny. So I think
0: it's that's a good a, philosophy. I mean, it's one person at a time.
1: You know, it, if it is different. one person at a time. I mean, even right now, like how we are. Um, those are the strongest bonds. I, I, I took a, a psychology class and I know it's, they did some diagram that it had a whole bunch of dots, but a whole bunch of like lines connected to the dots. And it's like, okay, if you have all those connections, those connections could be a little bit fainter, a little bit weaker due to the fact of all the other connections. But if you just have those two dots, those two points, and you just have that one connection right there. That's the strongest connection just because it's just those two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just those two points with the line. So if I'm able, even if I'm just able to make that connection with that one person, it could be a strong connection, just because of the fact that we made that connection. You sure. know? So I was sure. able to influence that person's life for the better, and well, they didn't make me feel like a joke was trash. <laughs> so right. I mean, it's it's a win-win situation.
0: Yeah, you can't I, underestimate how how powerful that even that one moment can be for both of you. It's powerful, and then plus
1: it can help out as well because there's been times where there've been times where i've I've heard a joke bomb, but somebody reacting to that joke made the joke better.
0: Sure, that and actually that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> there've been numerous times where I've heard it's like, okay, Royal, the joke wasn't good, but your reaction was the joke made the joke better.
0: It's almost sort of like the joke exists with the reaction. Right. Yeah. That's right. that's this... an important kind of relationship. I suppose if you're in a vacuum just telling jokes, it doesn't do any good to anybody if it's not heard mm-hmm. and responded to.
1: Right. I mean, if anything – Even for the laugh, a groan, what have you? Um, I
0: think almost a groan is just as good as like a hearty laugh because uh, a laugh is sort of like the goal. A groan means it's so bad that like you still get almost a stronger response. It's
1: audible. It's audible for sure. (laughs) It is audible. Um, So now I love a groan with a chuckle at the end because it's like they got it. Yeah. But then they still. But then they find the humor in it. Now, if it's just a just a steady groan, then it's just like, oh well, they got it, but they didn't like it, right? And so of it telling you like, hey, that's not great, you know. So yeah,
0: but a bad joke um, as offers, I think, a very different type of power that I, I really appreciate—the yeah. <laughs> well, dad yeah. joke kind of thing.
1: Because cause everybody, I mean, that's the term, dad jokes. Everybody heard at least one dad joke in their time. Yeah. If not by their own dad, but by somebody. <laughs> where it's just like, hmm. Just like, I love dad jokes and I hate them at the same time. <laughs> it's like, all right. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. But I'm still going to walk this path with you just because I need to figure out what what's at the end of this path. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the pain, you're being like ah. But like you're saying, it's that groan. It's that groan of acceptance. Mm-hmm. It's a groan of oh, okay, I got where this path was leading to. It's so. still like
0: an acknowledgement fully of the joke.
1: It's a, that's what it is. It's acknowledgement. You know, you're acknowledging the fact that okay, the joke is what it was. But like, <laughs> is it is it like is it like five star quality? Some are, some not. Sure. But at the same time, it's still, like you're saying, the acknowledgement.
0: Sure. So comedy is such an interesting tool in general because uh, something that, you know, I've heard an awful lot, um, and I'm sure you have too, I think it's sort of like a very sort of socially mimetic thing, is that comedy oftentimes masks uh, pain or difficulty. And you've seen it a lot with celebrities such as, you know, Robin Williams, I think is the most part the example of a man who is tremendously funny and very outwardly happy but clearly inside was facing so many demons and struggles that nobody knew because he didn't hand that to the world. He handed his humor to the world. Has, has comedy been something that you've used to mask difficulty or pain? And has difficulty or pain ever maybe found its way into your comedy as sort of like a, an escape or a response? So
1: I'll tell you about a time how well, basically comedy helped me. Uh, so in October, October 1st, I want to say a whole bunch of years back, uh, my cousin, um, my cousin, she had passed away. And then within a year of that, um, my other cousin had passed, her brother. And so then I was very distraught. Uh, a comic friend of mine, John Currier, close friend, um, he said, hey, man, I've seen that you've been up. You see, I've seen you were upset. How about you come out to these shows? Uh, They're really fun uh, Just to get you out of the headspace And I did Um, Two great shows I met a lot of people I had a lot of fun Um, And it took And it it further furthers That's that's basically the foundation Of like, okay I had the roughest time in the world But I was able to laugh I was able to tell jokes Um, Yeah, not tell jokes I was able to not Think about my life Right then and there and so there has been pain and and anguish in some of my jokes and whatnot. Um, and there's a time where, like I did, I took my sister's car, my I basically got beat by my dad, but I turned it around to where like, I was able to make fun of that situation. Was it a bad situation? Yes. But I was able to turn it into humor. Um... There, there's some stuff that I know that I'm. I don't say I'm still working on, but I really haven't set on stage, basically just because I just don't. I'm, I'm private. I'm a very private person. Like Mm -hmm. you see me on Facebook or whatnot. I basically tell like dumb one liners or like you know super little silly stuff that happened during my day to day. But like I'm more or less. If I'm going to handle stuff, like I handle stuff privately or I'll talk to somebody offline, um, I rarely try to use a stage as therapy. I mean, it can be therapy as in you telling jokes and people laughing at your jokes. And that's a therapy as in, okay, that's this is something, this is so, it's like a stress reliever, if you will. Um, being able to get that that instantaneous gratification of like, you know, happiness or whatnot. But I would never use the stage to be like, okay, these are the problems that I'm having with my life. I need to vent or whatnot. I will definitely take that off stage or offline with somebody to where it's at, okay, I can work this through to where I could be better on stage. Right. Because if there's something on my mind and I'm trying to perform that's going to mess with me the whole time. Whereas, like, I'm not going to be able to perform to mess my ability. So I definitely like to keep things uh, keep things off of the stage and whatnot. I know some comics, that's basically what they're about. Like, okay, they'll talk about, like, maybe adultery or just, like, kid problems and stuff like that. Like, my thing is, if, if it's something that's dealing with another person, that's going to be between me and that other person yeah that's, absolutely. Not something, that's not going to be something that's going to be put on stage for monetary gain or or for a laugh or whatnot because that's putting somebody else's business out there as well
0: right so, so the stage is like a very sacred place for you it really is sort mm-hmm. of like that is your full-on you know uh performance hall and mm-hmm. um so I, I think that's great. I think it's really nice to have that as sort of like more of an escape and not as much of like, I don't want to say outlet, but also it it, it is, it is removed in a sense. And any, any humor that you bring to the stage uh, could be the product of what's going on in your life, but it's never reflective of what's going on in your life.
1: Right. Okay. Um, because basically going on stage is this like an image like a persona of yourself, but it's a comedic persona of yourself. Um, I know some people who've done different, like, I don't say like roles, but different, like, characters and whatnot. I don't like trying to be a character. I want it to be me on stage. Mm-hmm. Now, me being on stage is a little bit more hyped up version, if you will, but it's still me. It's still the like Royal Wood that you would see walking down uh, Central or about to go go to work or whatnot, go do whatever the case may be, it's still that royal. Just amped up a little bit. Just the funny turned up a little bit. But other than that, it's still me. Gotcha. So um it's more or less just being being present, but being present to where that people people can relate.
0: Absolutely. Um so now this is gonna be a little bit different in terms of uh we, we we've learned a little bit about your comedy and that like it's it's been like a really big thing for you, sort of where it stemmed from. Um, but outside of that, and obviously you you simply don't have to answer anything that you feel like you know is is too much for you. But when it comes to being a human, being a person, you know, we have uh, our own sort of inner workings, and then we have what we choose to display to the world. Um, we also get to look at like our highest moments, and we talk about those, and we often talk about our lowest moments. Uh, what, what was it like? And I mean, I, I, I know very little about this and I can share only as you're comfortable, but when you were deep in the middle of like struggle, when you, when you needed to turn it around, when you were in a place of desolation, you didn't know where to go. You didn't know what to do. What was that like for you? And I have no idea what this is. Maybe comedy was involved. Maybe it wasn't involved. Maybe, you know, the, the, the most fascinating thing about people is not just the highs and the lows, but I sometimes think like the middle point where we take a a moment and we say, I have to do something different because Uh I, what I'm doing right now isn't working where I'm at, isn't working. The pain is too great. I have to change something. Do you have a a moment in which you sort of like figured out like a moment of clarity or like, you know what that struggle was like for you? Uh,
1: I would like to honestly say my, well, I've I've hit rock bottom a couple times in my life I, that I felt. Um, first rock bottom was I I was hanging out with the, the rapper friends and whatnot, but um, to be honest, heavy into some drugs to where it's like I I was looking skinny and I wasn't focusing on the things I wasn't focusing on to where it's like I didn't even have a place. I was like I was sleeping out of my car um i was staying right i uh behind kevin baca's house as a matter of fact and it was just a fact of like i just needed to be better i that was what that was the first point i was like i needed to be better i needed to be better for me for my comedy for the people around me um that was my first fight bottom and my but my second one I felt was, and I know this isn't a rock bottom for a lot of other people, you know, but this is what I felt was my rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working at the 7-Eleven on Lomas, like Lomas in Washington. And then we all got called in because we all had to go to an Everybody Sucks meeting. Now, have you been to an Everybody Sucks meeting?
0: I don't think I have.
1: I'm curious to
0: see what this is all about.
1: So an everybody sucks meeting is that whenever the manager is basically telling everybody stuff that everybody did, mm-hmm. but they're not naming names. Mm. So basically everybody sucks. Nobody knows what somebody did unless you actually know what they did, but everybody sucks right now. And in my head, I'm sitting there and I'm like, am I really at a everybody sucks meeting at a Seven Eleven? Mind you, I went from going for, I had like. I was working at an executive office manager making like over 18 20 an hour. And and it was like one of those like Monday through Friday, weekends, holidays, one of those to basically having somebody threaten to walk out with all the stuff and me being like, I can't do anything about it, you know, and I'm happy to go to a meeting about that. So then I was just like, okay, now mind you, this was right before the pandemic too. And I was also drinking heavy. Um, this is right before I went sober. I was drinking heavy, like I was taking a flask. Well, it wasn't even a flask. I was taking a tumbler, and I filled it up with apple juice and Crown Royal apple, and I would take it to work. Mm-hmm. You know, because I would just walk to work. My job was like maybe like a block from my house, but I would take it to work and just be loaded, just sit there pumping people's gas and stuff. But I if that was the point where I was just like, I can't be like this anymore, you know? And I stopped drinking on my son's birthday in 2020. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, it was more or less just like I needed to be even better than, like, I fell into a lull. I fell into, I don't want to say it's a security, but I was just being lazy. Uh I just didn't care. And so... It was like, yeah, I was doing stand up like, you know, I was getting paid in I was getting paid in beer and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, well, I don't have to really try that much or try like, but no, that's I those times I needed to try harder. I needed to be sober. I needed to be focused, clear minded, and I wasn't. So that was my second rock bottom. So um uh, the drugs and the, and the alcohol are definitely out of my system now. Well, I mean, I smoke weed, but I mean, would, you know, it's, it's, it's legal now, but of course. Uh, So it sounds
0: like a, a lot of what your sort of like motivation was, uh, to, to be better because I mean, what does being better look like? Is it just simply stopping behavior that holds you back or is it incentivized by the fact that, you know, you want to be better for your kid, you know, or friends? I mean, you know, again, that sort of role model position that we don't choose, uh, is, would that be accurate to say that like maybe, uh, your child and maybe like friendships might have been more at stake?
1: Absolutely. Um, during that time where I stopped drinking, I saw a lot of people pass uh, a lot of people. And it was just the fact that I need to be here for him. I want to see him grow up. I want to see him be the most best person he possibly can. Like I tell him basically every day, like he's way better than I was at his age, like doing sports and whatnot. So I want to be there for him. I want to be there for my friends. You know, I want to be mm-hmm. there for people that I care for, for that I love. Like, for my coworkers, uh, for, for the stage. I want to be here. I have so much I still need to do. And I can't do that. If I'm dead, I can't do that. If I'm just not improving myself. So, um, that's, that's where my, that's where my head at is on that answer. It's just like being better, uh, the improvement, just, just the improvement and being able to provide for myself and the ones around me. Um, the moment, (laughs) The moment that I uh, realized that stopping drinking was the best choice for me was that around when the Final Fantasy VII Remake was coming out. Now, I've always been one of the guys where it's like I played the games late because I didn't have any money to be able to afford the game. Now, I was like, okay let me see if I have enough to be able to pre-order this game, you know, do work or whatnot. And I had way well in the morning enough. And I was like, oh, so what you're telling me is that if I stop drinking alcohol, I'll have money to be able to do the thing that I really want to do. Cool. Cool. So sure. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was like right then and there, but also, due to the fact that I've had um, a mentor, a big brother of mine, uh, Steph Darnell, he's told me that my comedy has vastly improved since I stopped drinking.
0: Oh, even better. So really, like you are more rounded in terms of you've got the ability to afford what you want, to enjoy what you want, and mm-hmm. to uh, your personality, you know, flourishes.
1: Right. This to be a better person knowing for a fact like those are the things that i had to take out of my life those are the things i was willing to take out of my life like sure it was and like even with the drinking it was even like it was this cold turkey it was like nope this is, this is something i'm not doing
0: oh wow yeah. and i know that can be really difficult for a lot of people i think you know right. obviously everybody's got different structures but um w- w- was that difficult for you to just straight up drop it or did you see the benefits so immediately uh and your body didn't have any like really negative responses. Cause that's, I mean, that's, yeah,
1: that's, that's what happens. That's the, the shock because, um, the people that have passed, that's what happened. That's that your body's dependent alcohol dependency. Right. Um, but for me and I, I have to think, I have to think whatever power that may be, um, I, due to the fact of like, I wasn't drinking heavily. I wasn't putting down like bottles on in by myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, but there was a point where I knew I could have, but I wasn't to that point as of yet, but my body was able to clear itself out. Um, plus I was working out more to where that I didn't have to worry about like, Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to be sluggish or whatnot. Like even after my first 30 days, it, it, I felt clearer, you know, now mind you, um, backs hurts just because of the fact of like I'm older now. And, right. <laughs> and I'm feeling a little bit of the pains of being in the prior military, but um, if anything, none of the stuff like that affected me before, like with like alcohol and whatnot, has been a detriment to me, you know, so and once again it's helped me be a better person, um, help it be financially better, emotionally better, um, communicatively better, um, be able to process my feelings or whatnot. So
0: it's that's a really big one right there. I think uh, when you say uh, in in communication, but also being able to process feelings, um, that I think is a huge thing that I think a lot of people struggle with, uh, is it's really hard to face our own issues. And mm-hmm. having somebody to talk to and communicate with is vastly important. One of the, the the biggest parts of recovery, I think, is that people heal together. And if you can't communicate with people what you need to heal from. It, it's healing. The healing road becomes a thousand times more difficult. And so when you can start that uh, and it's sort of like this catch twenty two where you have to start the healing process in order to continue the healing process. Right. Um, it it seems like that, that's a really big thing. I mean, is, is that, uh, did you have somebody to go to and talk to consistently? Did you ever go to any sort of like therapy or did you really just sort of rely on like a circle of friends and support to sort of help you through?
1: Uh, to be honest, I stopped basically right at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. And so that was basically, I like, I I got into a quarantine bubble. I would say mid July. Um, now, even with that that quarantine bubble, they they consumed alcohol, but I think it, it was the fact of like me being able to protect them, and me seeing be being able to be like, okay, I can have I, and basically in a protective role, me being like, okay, I re- I really. I really didn't really like talk to anybody about it, you know, like go going to like the twelve step program or going to like mm-hmm. AA or anything. It just I just stopped. So um, now, mind you, I didn't really say I went through it by myself. Like I did, like I have a joke about how I posted it online and stuff like that. But I think it was the, and I know this is gonna sound really corny, I but the actual likes and reacts and whatnot so people saying hey you're doing a good job keep that up Mm -hmm. and that positive affirmation to be like oh whoa, wow people are now once again like you're saying the public figure being a public figure there's have been people that's like I've stopped drinking because I saw you stop drinking
0: that's huge
1: it's huge and heavy is a head that wears a crown because it's just like now it's like, wow, like that role, now that role model status got amplified because it's like, okay, now it's like people are stopping tendencies that could technically, that could possibly kill them because they see me doing it, you know? So right. it's, it's big, it's big, but one, yeah, the, the, the answer to your question, it was the fact that people were saying, Hey, you're doing a good job. Yeah. Um, keep it up. It's to where it's like, all right, well. That's how I kept it up, you know?
0: Sure. Yeah, it's it's, it's so important to never underestimate the power of what sharing a struggle with people can can do for them because sometimes it makes them feel heard or seen because Mm -hmm. I think uh, as a person, it's very easy to have this tendency to say, I'm struggling more than everybody else because I don't see everybody else struggling. And very few people present struggle because it doesn't look good. But I think when you can be open and honest about that, it's surprising the amount of people that that sort of like peel that layer away and say, oh, thank God, me too. Not because they want to see that you're struggling, but because they feel like suddenly you can relate to them or they can relate to you.
1: Mm -hmm. Almost pulling pulling the curtain back to see the wizard was an old man. Right, exactly. uh, I would never like – I will talk about my successes, but I also talk about my failures, but I will not never talk about my successes. Like all I have is successes, right? Because a lot of my successes came from failures. A well, lot of certainly. My was learning from my failures to be able to get those successes. So, um, being able to talk about failure, being able to talk about like, you know, bombing or not, or like, you know, the, the alcohol or whatnot. Um, being able to talk about those things really helps us being able to verbalize like, okay, I am human just like you. I am not somebody who came in a spaceship from Krypton. I am not somebody that's like impenetrable, or whatnot. I am a human just like you. Mm-hmm. I, I bleed, I cry, and I poop. Just like
0: there you go. You. <laughs> that's the really event.
1: Motto. Motto. Not in that order, <laughs> but like I'm just, I'm just like everybody else, I have my faults, I have my shortcomings, so it's yeah. like, and when if people know that, then it's like, okay, people can wrestle a little bit easier, knowing for a fact, like, there's somebody out there that's just like them. Yeah. More-
0: I think that it was a very long way in people growing together, is that we all sort of struggle in ways that... We don't want to admit how similar they really are, but it's very really yeah. encouraging to feel like, oh, I'm not alone in whatever trouble I'm having. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um,
1: I mean, granted, we're in, and once again, it may seem corny to say, even though we may feel alone, we are never alone because there's at least one person that's pot, that might possibly be going through the same struggle that you are. Mm-hmm. You may not know them you may know them but it's still just a simple fact that somebody is going through something and it may not even be the same thing but somebody is going through something that might be similar to you to where it's like okay well I get it I, it's just not me sure. so uh, sometimes i take thoughts in the fact of just that that notion like it's just not me doing like you know that's yeah. just how i feel.
0: Uh, yeah, just, i think that's great yeah i think it's a great philosophy
1: but uh honestly Going to life, we all going to have struggles, but just know for the fact that struggles, even though even though the struggles may be different, if they're still going through it together yeah. as as humans, not just as like, oh, I know you, you know me, so we're going to go through this struggle together, but like, okay, you have a struggle, I have a struggle, we are still going through our stuff day to day, that's what gives me solace, that's what gives me a little bit of peace of mind, feeling like, okay, I'm not the only one that has a tear in their pants. I'm not the only one (laughs) that needs to pay this bill or this thing will happen, you know, so. Right. That's just how I see it.
0: That's, that's fantastic. Um, so as we're sort of approaching the end of the segment, uh, mm-hmm. I do have a, a handful of questions for you and okay. it's, uh, basically things that have influenced you, things that have sort of like, uh, scooted you along. Uh, some of these, I kind of already know the answer to, which I'm excited to see if I can predict.
1: Oh, no, I'm wait, I'm waiting for those questions now.
0: Oh, good. Excellent. I'm really excited. Uh, so what I want are actually a handful of recommendations from you. And first I want to start with. Have there ever been any books that you've read or that like, in this moment you would say right now this book affected me positively? And it could be it gave you good advice or it could be that it made you laugh or it could be whatever it is. If you were to recommend a book right now for anybody to check out, what do you got?
1: I'm going to tell you about my favorite book of all time. Please. My favorite book of all time is The Phantom Tollbooth.
0: Oh, um, great book.
1: It's, it's a great book, dude. Um, a kid – who doesn't really, he's he's bored and whatnot. He finds said toll booth, and he goes to the land. Now, mind you, this land is fantastical. It's literal, but he has his adventure to where it's like he's learning about himself. He's becoming a better person. And then when he comes back from this land, he's like, okay, I. he's able to appreciate. He's able to appreciate all the things that he has. And so it's just a fact of a, a book of appreciation. That's a that great special. way to
0: put it. Appreciation is a huge, that's a great word. I love that. I was actually going to ask you when you recommended it, if, uh, I mean, cause I think that's actually a much bigger <laughs> takeaway, uh, but because as a comedian, words are your tools and wordplay is sort of like your, your gig and Phantom Tollbooth is like nothing but wordplay all the way through you know, and the, taking everything.
1: A, rhyme, a reason at Tik the watchdog, Yep. I mean, everything was basically literal, you yep. know, so I, I know there's like a movie maybe on Amazon too, but, uh, possibly, but long story short, everything was literal. And yeah. so you had to honestly take things at face value. So, uh, it, great book, great book.
0: Excellent. Excellent choice. Yeah. I haven't actually read that in a while, but that's one I might have to revisit, uh, especially yeah. with your recommendation. Me too. Excellent. Okay. And so then alongside a favorite book, what's a favorite movie?
1: Mystery Men. Oh, <laughs> Mystery Men is one of my favorite movies of all time. Sure. And my only qualm, my qualm is not with the movie, but with the most famous song from the movie, Smash Mouth, All-Star. <laughs> the qualm that I have with it is that that song –
0: um, that song is now attached to Shrek. Dude. you feel like, Shrek stole it and Mystery Men was the one that helped it walk?
1: Mystery Men, <laughs> the song All Star, had the cast of Mystery Men in the song. It, but long story short, fantastic superhero movie. It's, it's the closest to being a realistic superhero movie. Uh, or not a realistic, like to realism. I mean, um, Ben Stiller's character, uh, uh Paul Rubin's character, uh, William H. Macy's character. Like all those characters could be people that are actually real life characters. <laughs> you know? so, but one of my favorite all time all time movies, superhero movies, action movies, comedies and whatnot, so had a great actors, actresses, Janine Garofalo was in that one. Mm-hmm. Um just a great movie all Greg Kinnear, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a well, great cast. It's a truly great
1: cast of some of the funniest cast. people. Um, honorable mention to Prestige. Um, oh, sure. Uh, the only reason why I like to Prestige is that Prestige tells you what happens in the movie in the first six minutes of the movie. Hmm. And I love movies that, uh, that are explained like that. So. It's kind of
0: a fun format, yeah. But
1: um, other than that, those are my tops.
0: Okay, those are your two movie recommendations. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in a world of MCUs and uh, DC films, be a mystery man. Be a mystery
1: man. <laughs> uh, I know I, uh, that's that's a conversation we'll have offline about all those movies. But, uh, sure. <laughs> but uh, okay. what other the remedi- recommendations you want from your oh boy? I
0: got a couple more. Uh, so one of my favorite things to do is eat. And so I want to know what you recommend as a favorite food. Oh, um i'm a
1: huge cinnamon fan cinnamon I'm a, I'm a huge cinnamon fan so uh for me anything cinnamon raisin like a cinnamon i love a good cinnamon raisin bagel i love a good mm-hmm. cinnamon raisin bagel toasted cream the works
0: not cinnamon uh, bio, if you're not going to recommend the cinnamon challenge necessarily What's that? Oh, no, no, never that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is a dumb challenge. Um, uh, Were you speaking as in like restaurant or types of food? Um, Uh, Anything,
0: anything. I mean, is there a place you love to go or something you could eat at home every day, something you love to make, whatever it is, uh, just a food that just that gets you.
1: It's funny you bring this up because right after this, I'm going to order Lulu's. Uh, Mm. Lulu's Kitchen is, uh, is a Chinese food place downtown. Um I always get their shrimp fried rice. Oh, um good. extra uh extra egg, extra shrimp. Um that's it's it's a comfort food for me. Um but they're really good. I've been going to them for like years now. So uh that's a place that I would honestly recommend. Um very inexpensive. Right. Oh, very
0: good okay and the shrimp fried rice is probably what you're gonna say say maybe try this as your baseline and then maybe branch out from there
1: yeah like if you're just being like okay what what would i get just to see what's good i would honestly su- suggest shrimp fried rice
0: now would you put cinnamon on your shrimp fried rice i would not <laughs>
1: unless you ask me and for you i would i okay. would take, like this i would take a spoonful of my shrimp fried rice and put some cinnamon on it okay and I would take a bite for you. I wouldn't put it on the full thing.
0: Okay. Maybe it's like a TikTok kind of thing, but you wouldn't like drench it in in cinnamon.
1: Now, if it just so happened to be good, then we might circle back to the idea.
0: (laughs) One never knows.
1: (laughs) But as of right now, just do the spoonful for you.
0: Okay. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. That sounds good. Okay. So now in one of my favorite questions, inevitably, but I think I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to this. Favorite video game? Like, what's a uh, video game you're gonna recommend? Oh, John, John, <laughs> John! All right.
1: For those of you who know me, who those of me go to my Facebook, uh, Royal A Wood Third. Um, my home's my uh, cover photo is the cover photo of one of the I feel the one of the greatest games of all time, Earthbound. Um. Yeah, exactly. You know, I know you got the Starman on your hair on the hand right now. Yep, everybody can see that one. Um, it was one of the games that got me into loving RPGs, um, and it was also a game that I felt that I could actually be—I um, could be Ness, I could be Jeff, I could be Paul. Hell, I could even be Paul, <laughs> um, because they set it in a modern day setting. Um, but it still had the actual RPG elements, weapons, armor, items, accessories, um, spells, uh, uh, cutscenes, if you will, um, plot progression. The stuff that I like to see. Like, I love RPGs because they're interactive stories, you know. You can control the story. Plus, I'm a little bit lazy at times to so where it's like, I just want to see a story played out for me. I want to play a story, but I want I don't want to watch a movie. You Know sure play a movie, if you will, I but get that. Earthbound, honestly, chef's kiss all around, um, and also being able to name the items being that able, was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm, being able because I like we grew up in an era like you know, the Mario, like the Zelda's, or whatnot, to where like they were already named and whatnot, to where it's like, okay, you're playing as this character, mm-hmm. but if you can name your character and you can play as that character mm-hmm. and name other characters to where it's like, okay, I, to be perfectly honest, I used to name Paula as my crush at that
0: time. You know? I understand 100% yeah. been there.
1: Uh, I used to name like the uh, Jeff and Pooh as like close friends of whoever close friends were at that time. So Absolutely. Like, the person now, the, the personalization that game had. um, And then once again, just, Going from like Dragon Quest, like old school Dragon Quest games or whatnot, old school Final Fantasy games, just having that feel, but in a modern, updated sense. That's the reason why, like a Dragon, like whenever yes. I went through like a Dragon. Now, real quick, real quick, when I got it for the PlayStation Four, it took a couple of months. When I got the PlayStation Five, honestly, maybe like a month. And the only reason why, just because the loading. Sp- the low <laughs> A lot faster. it's like, hey, cutscene. 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 But um yeah, once again, Earthbound. Um, I need to get I need to get my Earthbound tattoo. I may probably just get the meteor. I have I have a weird, it's a super de duper big complex tattoo idea that I want to do, but um, yeah, earthbound. If you want a game to play, if you game to recommend, definitely get Earthbound.
0: I think that's a great choice. There's something about the writing in that game that captures like a spirit of good feeling and sort of good philosophy that when I'm having struggles in life, Earthbound sort of sets a certain tone that I need to feel better.
1: Oh, yeah. Just like this being able, just walking around Onet, Tucson, Three, fourson, mm-hmm. Um just, just going through those levels and just the music, the music so, the soundtrack was just, even going through like the tunnels or whatnot, or yeah. going through, like Saturn Valley, just everything about that game is a calming game. No, yeah. even if you're like fighting like hippies and whatnot, it's still, <laughs> it's still a calming game. For yeah, me, so. yeah. Now, mind you, like going, uh, growing up and learning about like fast, uh, fast forward or whatnot, being able to like you know, doing grind or whatnot, but. My main thing was like when I was a kid playing that game, renting that game, only having like a couple days with that game is mm-hmm. it was rough. Just because I was like, all right, I want to, I'll pay the late fee, I'll play the late fees to be able to have that game longer. But that was the game for me. So, oh, and also, I'm gonna say this real quick. Sure, Out of World Ragnarok is not taking over at Elder Ring for Game of the Year. I'm gonna go ahead and put that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say that right now. I have both. I still need to beat both, but I'm going to say that right now. God of War, Ragnarok, great game. Don't get me wrong. But Elden Ring, I'm already thinking about my second playthrough. Uh, I wow. I can beat <laughs> it, and I'm already thinking about my second playthrough of how I want to do it. So, so
0: what I'm envisioning right now is actually you being on stage holding like an award, and then you also coming up on stage and saying, it's like that old Kanye thing where he's like, I'm going to let you finish. But, but, but Elden Ring but is the game. You know. Elden Ring, and you have Christopher
1: judge, you have Sonny up there, they're accepting the word for everybody. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm gonna let you have this war, but just like <laughs> you know, Georgia R. R. Martin helped write an amazing game, okay? That's know. what happened, all right? The man from the Iron Throne helped me go through the land uh was it the land was the land beyond or the land uh I forget. I forget what they call but yes. Sure. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. But that's okay. That, that that i just had to say that real quick
0: perfect well i'm curious to see like by the time you get to the end of ragnarok or elden ring if that will shift at any point and of course we'll we'll talk about that later oh, yeah.
1: we're, we're offline once again
0: absolutely <laughs> but uh excellent i do i also love your enthusiasm for sort of the gaming world and you know oh. i know final fantasy is huge to you and earthbound and like a mm-hmm. lot of these rpgs are very formative to your tastes uh and earthbound great choice Again, I, you know, I, I recommend it as well, but, Mm -hmm. um, excellent. But then finally, and this is one of my, my favorite things because everybody's got a different perspective. Everybody's got a different experience. We all come from somewhere that literally no one else does. So with that, if you got to offer, just put it out there for people in general or to somebody specific, even what is a piece of advice that has worked for you that you wish you could share with everybody?
1: Try it once.
0: Try Just it once. Just
1: try it once. And if it isn't for you, it isn't for you. Sure. Nobody will ever, and I feel that nobody should ever down you for at some you not wanting, you not liking a thing. Now, if everybody liked the same thing, great. This world would be, a, I don't want to say a utopia, but at the same <laughs> time, things would be boring. Things would be, mundane, like mm-hmm. it's our differences that makes the world go round. So when I if you don't like something, after you tried it, you don't have to try it again, you don't have to force yourself to try it again. but step out of your comfort zone. One time, try it mm-hmm. out, whatever the case may be. And if it's not for you, then it's not for you. No harm, no foul.
0: So you think you might not like it, but push through that to at least know if you don't like it,
1: right? Because you don't, because you don't know. Like, the most scariest thing in life is the unknown. Sure, it's the um, like the things that we're not able to to grasp or know, or to be able to be like, okay, that is what that is, or I know what I could do with that. Some people thrive on the unknown. Some people cannot. But it's still just a fact of like getting out there, putting yourself out there at least once on a thing to try that thing. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Sure. It's just the fact that you made that effort. It's the fact that you gave the energy and the time to try to do that thing. And, and if it doesn't work out, well, shoot, Yeah. there's not, there's nobody, nobody will, nobody will down you. You don't get points taken away for not being good at a thing that you just tried
0: to do. Sure. I like that. I think that's great. I think the opportunity to truly know for yourself, empirical evidence, find mm. out, don't theorize, find out.
1: So, um, I know we're coming up towards the end, but do you think i will be able to give a quick couple quick shout outs?
0: I would love that. I think honestly, what I want to do is I want you to, to have the opportunity, give some shout outs mm-hmm. and, uh, then let people know where we can find you in the future. But yeah, uh, feel free.
1: Okay. So first of all, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Morgan Farley, uh what's going on man uh huge supporter love this dude Mm -hmm. another giant if you will uh hope you and yours are doing well also shout out to you gamers anonymous uh new game plus you guys are amazing uh i love what you're doing uh also everybody in the comedy scene in albuquerque and not just in albuquerque not just in mexico but in the world because everybody's out there doing stuff to make somebody laugh um, my friends and family also um, my work New Mexico air filter uh, Tulio Ryan I know y'all gonna be listening to this later uh, get some ideas if you will but uh, I just want to thank everybody in my life for being who they are because that's the reason why they're in my life because who they are so um, you can find me on Facebook Royal a with the third um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Captain Crazy Glue. Um, it's like it's house spell spelled, but no e at the end of blue. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, you can find me every Tuesday over at Juno. Uh, if you want to ever try doing stand up, uh, sign up starts at seven. Show starts around eight. Normally five minutes. I'll give you the light at four. Um, other than that, I also do karaoke every other Monday at Juno. And as of right now, every other Thursday at Sidewinders, uh, okay. Juno goes from 8 to 10, and uh, Sidewinders go from 8 to 12. Uh, other than that, like, I'm here, I ain't going nowhere, and thank you for having me on this wonderful podcast. I can't wait to see, I want to see this show hit the 100 mark. I want to, <laughs> not I, just I, I- I'm not just the twenty five not just the fifty i want to see the hundred i want to see i want to see i want to see this show shine
0: i i would love that very much and it's people like you who really help uh make this uh w- worthwhile i mean I, I there's a lot of great people i want to speak to and everybody I'm so excited to to you know get some information from and find out what it was like and thank you i mean for taking the time to to do something like this to share with everybody and um I I absolutely look forward to people getting to hear this and learn more about you and, hey, maybe even make a couple new comedians along the way.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I thank you, honestly, for everything that you do, for everything that you've done, for everything that you do, and for everything that you will do.
0: Oh, that means a lot, and I very much feel the same about you, and I cannot wait to see what the future of Royal looks like. Oh, man. So uh, thank you for being part of this podcast. Thank you for uh, getting a chance to contribute a little bit of your time. And uh, Royal, I want to thank you for helping create humanity.
1: Well, John, I want to thank you for helping create humanity as well.
0: (laughs) Takes a village, my friend. It does take a village. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care, guys. Take care.